Hazard Audio. The Gross Axelrod Show. With your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Play ball. Welcome once again to the Gross Axelrod Show. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Steve Gross. That's Matt Axelrod. And we're just here so we don't get fined. Hey, I'm just here so I won't get fined. You can find us every week right here on podbean.com. Uh, you got to search for Hazard Audio on there. Also available on Rivet News Radio, which you can get on the iTunes App Store or Google Play. We'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter, so hit us up at Gross Axelrod or send us an email at grossaxelrod at gmail.com. As always, we're produced by the incomparable Johnny Five, and we're powered by Hazard Audio. After the break, we're going to talk about the NBA. Uh, we're going to hit some All-Star Game stuff, and we're going to talk about the latest craze in the NBA, uh, Hassan Whiteside. First, we're going to start with the Super Bowl, the big event this week. Uh, Matt, you were talking to me earlier about some uh, interesting numbers that you came across. Yeah, I love numbers, and these have actually very little to do with the actual game for the most part. For example, the average ticket price that was paid for this Super Bowl was $4,833.25. The average ticket price over the last five Super Bowls was $2,830. So this is really a blockbuster Super Bowl it's shaping up to be. 180 countries will broadcast this game. It's anticipated to be viewed by 171 million people. 7.5 million Americans are going to or will have bought a new TV just to watch this game. An estimated 1.25 billion chicken wings and 14 (laughs) billion burgers will have been eaten. And I did a little research myself, too. I was seeing current ticket prices right now. The lowest, cheapest price you can get for a ticket is $8,630, all the way up to $49,999.99. If you guys want to go to the Super Bowl, all you need is probably about 10 grand. It's not too bad. So the average ticket price has gone up $2,000 this year compared to the previous five years. That's absolutely insane. It's kind of affecting the secondary ticket market where a lot of people have purchased tickets through a broker, but the brokers can't get their hands on the tickets that they want. So people who have already paid for their tickets are not going to get them. And brokers are actually offering refunds plus interest. I saw a story where there was one broker offering 20% interest to give people their money back instead of delivering the tickets. That's amazing. And I think it really speaks to what a compelling matchup this is, both in terms of the actual teams, because I think we'd agree these are the the best teams in each conference from throughout the season. Absolutely. And they, they, they have some of the most compelling storylines too. You've got two of the most notable uh, later round draft picks at quarterbacks on these two teams. Yep. Russell Wilson from the third round, Tom Brady from the fifth going up against each other. That's an awesome storyline right there. And two really like powerful, violent running backs too in Marshawn Lynch and, and LeGarrette Blunt. I think both teams are going to be pretty well balanced here. I know that the thing to me, one of the most interesting things is that you've got the team who led the league in penalties in the Seahawks and also the team who leads the league in PED suspensions versus the Patriots who, you know. They run a tight ship? Well, other than. No, I, I, the, I was going to say the opposite of that. They don't run a tight ship. They have been known to push the boundaries of the rules. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like the two evil empires facing off here. That's true. And then another interesting thing that I've found uh, that I'm really interested about this Super Bowl is the coaching matchup. 
You've got Pete Carroll, the former coach of the New England Patriots, versus Bill Belichick, the current coach of the New England Patriots. And Pete Carroll was not respected for the job that he did when he was in New England. They were glad to get rid of him. They were really glad when he was fired. And people were surprised when the Seahawks hired him. But he's turned into a really good coach there. So this should be a really interesting matchup to see who comes out on on the coaching front. Yeah, both coaches also former Jets head coaches. So as a Jets fan for me... I don't really want to cheer for either of those guys, to be honest with you. Let's talk about some prop bets for the Super Bowl. By the time this airs, the Super Bowl will be over. We're recording it on Saturday, the day before the Super Bowl. This will probably be posted on Monday, so the Super Bowl will already be over. So we don't want to get into too much game analysis. So we're going to talk about some prop bets. What would be one of your favorites? My favorite is there's a New England quarterback, Tom Brady's wife, Giselle, there's a bet on how many times his wife will be shown on TV, and the under is at one and a half times at minus 140, meaning if you wager $140, you win 100 bucks. I got to think that it's going to be over that. That's definitely the bet I would take. However, one, one confounding factor is Giselle and the kids are sick this and have been sick this week, so it's very possible they won't be at the game at all, in which case it's an easy win for the under. Yeah, that's definitely true. And to go along with that TV theme, one of the bets that I liked was, will Robert Kraft or Paul Allen be shown on TV more during the game? 100% it's going to be Robert Kraft. The odds aren't great. It's minus 250, but I don't even know what Paul Allen looks like. And they're going to show Robert Kraft, obviously, with all the controversy that's been swirling around him and his relationship with Roger Goodell lately. So I think that's easy money. It's not great odds, but just bet the farm on Robert Kraft for sure. Now, my other one that I thought was interesting is who will have more rushing yards in the game, New England's LeGarrette Blount or Seattle's Marshawn Lynch? And the bet is only minus 125 for Marshawn Lynch. And whoever set that line must have been smoking some blunts because I, <laughs> I can't imagine Marshawn Lynch having fewer rushing yards than LeGarrette Blunt, especially considering that defense that Seattle has. You never know. I mean, Blunt all it takes is one 85-yard rush, and, you know, he's, he's gone for over 200 yards before. He's been, I think he's the most prolific postseason rusher in history now. Yeah, but he's, he's not going to do it against the Seahawks. There's two other bets that kind of go together that I liked. The first touchdown of the game, will it be a passing touchdown? or any other touchdown. I think you parlay that with, will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown? Because if it's a defensive or special teams touchdown, you get plus 130 for any other touchdown uh, besides passing, and you get plus 150 for, yes, there will be a defensive or special teams touchdown. Even if there's a rushing touchdown first, you'll win the first touchdown of the game bet. But separate from that, if you parlay that with, will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown, and that's the first touchdown of the game, those odds are going to pay out really nicely. Do you have the number there still for what the uh, the estimated viewership of the Super Bowl is? Estimated viewership is 171 million people. See, that's interesting because the line that I saw for uh, the over-under for viewers is 113 million. So that's way under the estimate that, that you saw. So if that estimate is going to be accurate, it seems like take the over absolutely on this. And we say all this, you know, gambling is illegal. Sports gambling is illegal in the United States except for in Nevada and limited gambling on sports in three other states. But John McCain this week said that he wants to start a conversation in Congress to get sports gambling legalized nationwide. I don't see why they wouldn't do that. 
I think that that would be a great idea. It's good revenue for the country, and I don't think there's anything wrong with a little gambling on sports, especially when you consider some of the other things that are illegal, like the highly addictive video poker games and all that, all those kinds of gambling arcade games you see at crappy bars sometimes. Yeah, and sports gambling is such a huge industry, and a lot of it is illegal. Like It's really like the underbelly of society, kind of. But just in 2013 alone, there were almost $4 billion worth bet on sports legally. Almost $4 billion in 2013. Number of sports wagers made illegally in 2013, $139 billion. It's huge. Like The government should absolutely be cashing in on this and making a little bit of money from that. Yeah, I, I don't know why they're not. I feel like someone's probably getting paid off to keep that illegal. <laughs> you may be right about that. That does seem to be how the uh, the government works. And speaking of gambling, I'm glad I didn't bet on Mel Kuyper or any of the other draft experts' opinions of the 2012 draft for the Seahawks. And let's go back in time a little bit. Mel Kuyper gave the Seahawks draft in 2012 a C minus and Bleacher Report gave it an F. And Bleacher Report mostly based that on saying that Russell Wilson would not work well at all for their offense. Yeah, you know, a lot of people weren't very high on Russell Wilson when he got drafted. There's a story about Brett Bielema. He's the head coach at Arkansas right now. He was going to be hired as the Dolphins coach. And he said, okay, yeah, I'll come coach the team, but I want to draft Russell Wilson because he coached him at Wisconsin. And the Dolphins said, uh, no, we're good. We don't want to draft Russell Wilson. So then Bielema just went back to coaching college. So instead of having Brett Bielema, who's an excellent coach, and Russell Wilson, the Dolphins ended up with Joe Philbin and Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, that worked out well for him. I, I love this quote from Bleacher Report. Pete Carroll's proving why he didn't make it in the NFL the first time. Not only was Bruce Irvin a reach at number 15, the Seahawks proved they were oblivious to their madness by celebrating their selection. As if the day wasn't bad enough, Seattle selecting Russell Wilson, a QB that doesn't fit their offense at all, was by far the worst move of the draft. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's certainly looking like the best move of the draft right now. And Bruce Irvin panned out pretty well, too. Yeah, and considering they're on their way to their second Super Bowl in two years, I think they wouldn't have changed the thing. It just goes to show you what the experts don't know. I've always been high on Russell Wilson. My dad went to NC State, so I used to watch Russell Wilson when he played there, and I always thought he was severely underrated. I love watching that kid play. The dude has a cannon for an arm. His arm strength is pretty underrated, in my opinion. And He is a little on the shorter side, but he makes it work by being so mobile and finding open passing lanes. So what? People make too big a deal out of height in, in the NFL, especially for quarterbacks. It, I don't think it really matters if you're six foot or five eleven. It's big deal. Who cares? Yeah, the guys, guys in front of you are moving around anyway. And we're going to take it to break. But first, I want to remind you, you're here with us at the Gross Axelrod Show with your host, Steve Gross, and me, Matt Axelrod. You can find us every week right here on podbean.com. Just search for Hazard Audio, or you can find us on the Rivet News Radio app, available on the iTunes App Store and Google Play. You can tweet us at Gross Axelrod or email us if Twitter's not your thing, grossaxelrod at gmail.com. We are powered by Hazard Audio. Hazard Audio. Hey there, Johnny Five here, producer of GAS, the Gross Axelrod Show. And if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, you can reach out to Hazard Audio. Hit us up with an email. That's hazardradio.audio at gmail.com. Or you can call 516-770-7120. That's 516-770-7120. Let's get back to the show. You 
are listening to the Gross Axelrod Show. Welcome back from the break. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Steve Gross. He's Matt Axelrod. And you can find us every week right here on podbean.com. Just search for Hazard Audio when you go on Podbean. You can also find us on Rivet News Radio app, which is available on the iTunes App Store or on Google Play. We'd love to hear from you guys on Twitter. Hit us up with any reactions that you may have, uh, suggestions for the show. Tweet us at Gross Axelrod. Or you can send us an email, uh, grossaxelrod at gmail.com. The show, as always, is powered by Hazard Audio. Uh, the second half of today's show, we're going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about the All-Star Game and Hassan Whiteside, who's taking the NBA by storm the last week or so. So we're going to start with the All-Star Game. We'll go through the East players and then the West players and talk about some of the snubs. Let's start with the East, Matt. The, the five stars in the East who are voted in by the fans, the top vote getters, three players for the... Uh, the front court and two players in the back court. The top vote getters at each of those positions are the all-star starters. So in the East, we've got Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Pau Gasol, John Wall, and Kyle Lowry. A few of the usual suspects, but also a few uh, few new guys in there. Yeah, I, I think that's John Wall's first appearance in the all-star game. Correct me if I'm wrong. Definitely his first time as a starter. Kyle Lowry's first time starting in the all-star right. game as well. Yep. So I'm sure it's big for both of them. And they are both having really good seasons but I'd like to talk about Carmelo Anthony. I do agree that he deserved to be a starter, but this seems like a pretty underwhelming season for him, just based on his normal standards. You're a Knicks fan. What do you think about that? I am. Well, I'm not just a Knicks fan. Carmelo Anthony is my favorite player in the NBA. I grew up a Knicks fan. I went to Syracuse, and I also lived in Colorado for a while. I went to a bunch of Nuggets games, so I saw him play a bunch there. So everything in my life that's tied to basketball fandom, Carmelo Anthony's involved. I'm not real sure why you say that he's not having the type of year that he normally does. All his stats are kind of in line with his career averages, but he is hurt. He's playing hurt. It's been suggested that the only reason he's been playing in the All-Star game and hasn't had surgery yet is because the All-Star game is in New York City and the fans want to see him play, which, you know, it's it's a conspiracy theory, but I, th- I think it holds a little bit of water. I think that does make sense, too. And the the main thing about him, his, his actual numbers look pretty in line with uh, his normal career averages, but his player efficiency rating is several points below where it normally is. So I believe he's averaging the same amount of points on a decent amount more shots. So he's shooting at a lower percentage. And then LeBron James, too, is... His PER this year is 26, and he's usually right around 29 or 30. And the crazy thing about him is this is a down year for him. He's been dealing with some injuries and probably just fatigue, too, because he's been to the finals in four straight years. So Right, but Le- LeBron's always going to be a starter. You know, the starters, it's basically a popularity contest, and LeBron James is the most popular player in the NBA. Absolutely, he is. And then beyond that, he's still the best player in the East this year, despite it being a down season for him which speaks to the greatness of LeBron James. As much as the guy kind of bothers me, I, I think he is a phenomenal player, and it is great to see him play this well, even in a down year and even with the injury and fatigue. That guy, he's going to be an all-star until he's 40. Every year he's going to be a starter just because of how popular he is. As a Bulls fan, you've got to be ecstatic about Pau Gasol getting voted in as the starting center. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, Pau has been a, a real treat, and it's nice to see his resurgence offensively this year. Defensively, I've got a bone to pick with him, but we, we'll get to that another time. Pau Gasol has been so much fun to watch. It's really a refreshing sight seeing him down at the low post after watching the last four years of Carlos Boozer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Carlos Boozer, you know, he 
tries his best sometimes, and that's really <laughs> that's really about all I can say for the guy. Pau Gasol, the handles he has, his his wide variety of post moves. He's just so technically skilled that it, it, it's a blast to watch him to work it down in the post. And he definitely made the right call in free agency in free agency signing with the Bulls. He's really he's really blossomed down low with them, especially with Noah being hurt and him getting some more chances to play. He has, and I, I'm happy to, that he came here, although it would have been interesting to see what happened if he'd gone to the Spurs or to the Thunder, because I think he could have been a really significant contributor for either of those teams as well. Right. We've got some other guys to talk about, but I just want to point out with Gasol, you said you're a little disappointed in his defense, but he's averaging more than two blocks a game. Blocks are a pretty superficial stat sometimes, though. The problem that I have with him, he has trouble with the help defense and some of the finer points of Tom Thibodeau's schemes. So yeah, he, he does have a lot of blocks, but he there's a lot of times where he just looks lost on defense. Let's talk about Kyle Lowry. Like like you mentioned, this is his first All-Star game. He's, had, he's having a really good year. He's kind of the engine that makes the Raptors go, especially with DeMar DeRozan missing some time this year. Yeah, and they've they've still they've fallen off a little bit. They're not leading the East anymore, right. but they've still been playing some really good basketball even without him in. So yeah, and Kyle Lowry is one of the driving forces of that. He's so much fun to watch too because the yeah. guy's only like six feet tall, which is pretty short even for a point guard. But he's just a, a little bowling ball in there, driving to the hoop, just muscling through people. It's almost like watching a football running. He's back. so strong. It's like you could just see that he's way stronger than the guys who are trying to guard him, and he's like he's a smaller guy too. So yeah, I totally agree with you. And then accompanying him in the backcourt is going to be John Wall, who uh, has brought the the Wizards into relevancy. Yes, he has. The Wizards are are a good team this year, too. But John John Wall is also the engine that makes them go. I mean, John Wall's averaging 10 assists per game. I think he had one month where he was averaging like 12. He had a streak of 10 assist games that was a mile long, just playing some really good basketball this year again. He does seem to be focused on improving his assist numbers this season, distributing the ball a lot better. I think that's good, too, because he's an okay shooter, but he's not a gifted shooter. So it's nice to see him focus on the other points of the game, the other ways to make his team better. He's getting 4.4 rebounds a game. That's pretty high for a point guard. He is getting those 10 assists a game. Yeah, he's freakishly athletic, and it's nice to see him using his athleticism more than just trying to rely on jump shots. Right, and watching him on the fast break is really a treat, too. He can just make things happen off the dribble on a fast break that, that very few other guys in the league can do. So all the starters on, on the East, we don't have any problems with any of them. We're, we all think they're deserving starters. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, and rounding out the East All-Stars, which these are not chosen by the fan votes. The coaches in the NBA actually choose the reserves for the NBA All-Star teams. Uh, rounding out the roster, we've got Chris Bosh, Jimmy Butler, Al Horford, Kyrie Irving, Paul Millsap, Jeff Teague, my boy, and Dwayne Wade, who may or may not play. Dwayne Wade is dealing with a hamstring injury right now, and he's said he's not sure when he's coming back. So there's a good chance he'll have to be replaced in the All-Star game. Right. And who do you think should replace him? Uh, there's been the, the main talk is either Brandon Knight or Kyle Korver. And I think you have to go with Kyle Korver if it's between those two especially. And I can't think of anybody else who would be more deserving than Kyle Korver. The season that he's putting up statistically is pretty crazy. He's averaging... 52 points from the floor, 53% uh, from three, and which is crazy. And for only a total of 13 points a game, but it, you can't overstate how much of a, an impact that makes on floor spacing. And I think that's part of the reason the Hawks are so successful is because you have somebody that they have to watch on the three-point line and space out the floor or else he's going to burn you every single time. All right, we're going to move on uh, to the, the Western Conference starters now, voted in by the fans. 
your Western Conference starters are Blake Griffin, Marcus Saul, Kobe Bryant, who obviously is not going to be playing because he has a torn rotator cuff, Anthony Davis, who's one of the best players in the NBA, and uh, Steph Curry. I want to talk first about Anthony Davis. Now, player efficiency rating, it has its issues, but his player efficiency rating is 31.90 right now. If he keeps that up for the rest of the season, and we're more than half of the way through, that will go down as the best player efficiency rating ever. Is that so? Better than Wilt Chamberlain, better than Michael Jordan. Yeah, he is having a historic season right now. And look at the stat line that he's putting up to do it. 24.5 points per game, 10 rebounds, 1.7 assists, 3 blocks, a steal and a half, and only 1.3 turnovers per game. And his usage percentage is really high, too. So to only average 1.3 turnovers a game while scoring that much and still getting a decent number of assists is almost unheard of. And Marcus Sauls is another starter for the Wefts down low. And it's going to be interesting to see him and Powell matching up. As we talked about earlier, you and I, they've always been in the same conference. So it's always one of them kind of precludes the other from making the all-star team. It's going to be fun to watch the two brothers play against each other in the All-Star game. Especially now that Marc Gasol is blossoming. He's having such a great season, and Powell is is, uh, having a resurgent year. He is. Uh, So we'll round out the rest of the Western Conference All-Star roster with the reserves. Tim Duncan for the bajillionth time. LaMarcus Aldridge, DeMarcus Cousins, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Chris Paul, Clay Thompson, and Russell Westbrook. It's, it's hard to argue with any of these guys. No, and a lot of people are saying they're surprised Damian Lillard got snubbed. And Damian Lillard is having a really good season. But I just I can't look at any of those guys and say Damian Lillard belongs on the team over any of them besides maybe, maybe Tim Duncan, uh, who is still averaging a double-double. But the other problem with that is Tim Duncan's a front court player and Damian Lillard's a back court player, so you can't even just switch him in. And Tim Duncan, I think, just gets the respect vote from the coach, coaches, kind of like Derek Jeter being an all-star last year. You know, statistically speaking, it's kind of a joke, but uh, he's just been around the game for so long and been so consistently unbelievably good that he just kind of gets the nod anyway. Another thing about Damian Lillard is his actual raw stats are really good, but they're not as good as any of the other all-stars. But one of the reasons maybe he should have gotten the nod over one of them is because he's been so clutch. In in overtime in the last few minutes of games, his stats are on another level. He makes three-pointers way more than he misses them in clutch situations. And so many times this season has led his team to late comeback wins or sealed the deal in a tight game. If the All-Star game was you know, a month later in the season, we might be talking about Hassan Whiteside being uh, an All-Star. This guy is taking the NBA by storm over the past week. And that is crazy because I hadn't even heard of him until a week ago when he put up a triple-double against my Bulls somehow. Yeah, you and I watched about five minutes of that game together, and in those five minutes we were like, who is this Hassan Whiteside guy? He's just wreaking havoc in there. He's unbelievable. Uh, in his last three games, so against the Bulls, he only played 25 minutes. He had 14 points, 13 rebounds, and 12 blocks. In his next game against Milwaukee, 16 points and 16 rebounds. And then last night against Dallas, 16 points and 24 rebounds in just 29 minutes. He had 14 rebounds in the first seven minutes of that game. Yeah, and he he set a, a record for the Miami Heat by having 14 rebounds in a quarter. And he only needed half the quarter to do it. Where has this guy been? He's been bouncing around in, in China and Lebanon. He had 10 offensive rebounds last night. Just an offense, he had double-digit rebounds. He wasn't even a first-round pick. He was a second-round pick. He went 33rd overall. And hasn't ever found found a place where he 
stuck. And then all of a sudden he's playing at an all-star level. Now, I, I hope he keeps it up. I can't wait to see what he does next. His sanity is in full swing. So now we're going to move to our Sports Madness segment where we talk about all the weird stories that are going on. Sports Madness. We're going to start with one of your favorite stories, Matt. Uh, Josh Gordon failed another test for substance abuse, which that's not the part of it that's your favorite story. But you, I'll let you talk no, about he, it. No, yeah. Josh Gordon went on a trip to Vegas with some teammates and friends and posted a picture on, I believe, his Instagram of him with giant stacks of cash. And then, oh, what a surprise. The league had him submit to a drug test after that. And he failed, and now he's being suspended for a year. So if you do want to see that picture, head to our Twitter, at Gross Axelrod. We tweeted that out so you can check it out. Our second Sports Madness story has to do with Odell Beckham Jr. and also a wide receiver at the University of Iowa. Odell Beckham Jr. set the record for most one-handed catches in 60 seconds. He actually got Drew Brees to help him out with that. He caught 33 passes with one hand in a minute. That record lasted for 24 hours because the next day, a wide receiver at the University of Iowa did the same thing, and he caught 41 balls in one minute with one hand. Just blew it away, and that's that's hard to imagine. He must not have dropped any to be catching him. I mean, that's more than one every two seconds. I watched the video. The video's online. You guys can go find it. Actually, we'll tweet the link out for you guys. But, yeah, it's he didn't drop a single one. And then our last story for Sports Madness is our favorite player here at the show, Marshawn Lynch. The NFL said that he, if he does his celebratory crotch grab that he likes to do, they're going to fine him. So this company called Me Undies. <laughs> Decided that they're going to go ahead and donate $20,000 to the Fam First Family Foundation every time Marshawn Lynch grabs his crotch as a celebration during the Super Bowl, up to $100,000 cap. The statement that MeUndies released is very entertaining. They said, Marshawn is under scrutiny for a pain we've all felt, and we stepped in to help Beast Mode with great fitting, non-riding underwear. <laughs> That's, that is just awesome. And, and speaking of Marshawn Lynch, I love during the media day, the media access that players are required to do. We were talking last week about how I didn't want to speak to the media. So, of course, the league threatened to fine him $500,000 if he missed the Super Bowl media day. So he went, and he spoke for five minutes, and he answered questions, and just repeated, Hey, I'm just here, so I won't get fined. Then the next day, when he went back, because there's two days of media access, he went for five minutes, and he just delivered a speech. He called out the media, and you can. it's interesting to see where he's coming from on this because he was saying, I don't know why all y'all are, are here. I told you I'm not going to say anything. I don't know why you keep bothering me, something along those lines. And then he's like, so so I, I've told you all this already, so I'm just going to spend the rest of this time not answering questions, sitting here and looking at all y'all while you look at me. And then he fucking did. <laughs> and now he's going to be grabbing his crotch for charity. That about does it for the show. We are maxed out for time. Uh, but don't worry, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. You're here with us at the Gross Axelrod Show with your hosts Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Every week right here on podbean.com. Just search for Hazard Audio and the Rivet News Radio app. Tweet us your thoughts at Gross Axelrod or go there to check out the Super Bowl by the numbers or the picture of Josh Gordon. Email us at grossaxelrod at gmail.com. Produced, as always, by Johnny Five and powered by Hazard Audio. Hazard Audio.